like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. It's no surprise to any of you regular listeners that I am a longtime fan of what's called folk music, and that can be a very large umbrella. Occasionally, even these days when popular music is focused far away from the folk arena, you can still find thriving, energetic pockets of the genre. I stumbled onto one such coven of folk musicians in an orbit around Detroit, Michigan, and I am astonished with my good fortune. Today, I'll be visiting with Michael Huff of Mustard's Retreat, a 40-plus year collaboration with David Tamulevich, a previous Song of the Soul guest. Let's head now to Ann Arbor, Michigan to connect with Michael Huff. Michael, I'm so excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Well, thanks for inviting me. And we've had a good talk a couple days ago that really gave me a sense into who you are. To some degree, I feel like I know you because I know almost everyone else from the Yellow Room Gang. I don't know, there must be some kind of chemistry that unites you. What would you say unites that group in its core? What pulls you together? We started with the common goal of improving our songwriting by listening to the opinions of our peers. Because when you're a performer, you get a lot of positive, I mean, you get applause, right? I mean, but that's not what you need. It's like I'm not complaining or anything, but really if you're a songwriter and you really want to get a good idea of whether something works or not, you need somebody that is at the same level as you are and can look at that and go, you know, this is just not working. But I think it'd be better if you put this verse in front of that one. That kind of feedback is priceless for a songwriter's point of view. So really the common thread is the desire to get that kind of contribution into making better songs. That's where it started. And then we began to respect each other. We began to be like amazed by each other. <laughs> so there is a mutual kind of respect. And then we, we sort of became friends. It's like we just now we joke around with each other and we plan each other's recordings and we've made four different recordings. So... Every single person in that group is completely unique. There's nothing really that we're not, none of us are similar at all. You know, I was telling you about how David and me are very different. And that's true for everybody in the Yellow Room gang. But I value it. You know, it's, I'm amazed to be part of it. Now, you were talking about how you depend on the Yellow Room gang for feedback because you don't get that from the audience. You get applause, right? But I imagine there's also times when you've learned from audiences because you performed a song and the room was still or people were right. sleeping or they stood up and walked out. Right. Have you had yeah. to say, anyone just walk out? It's like, 
You can't <laughs> say that. We haven't had people walk out on us very much in recent times because we learned when we were just uh, starting, David and me, and I think that's true for other gangers too, when we were just starting, we learned by playing in bars. And it's like, if you're playing in bars, you get feedback right away. I mean, you find out right away if you're any good. And so does the owner. And the only times we've had people walk out on us in recent times is when they objected to something that we said politically. We normally are not too blatant politically. Some of our songs are quite radical, but we let those talk and we don't try to make it more out in the open than that, just to let people's imaginations work and also to try to not split the audience. In the second election, when Obama was up against Mitt Romney, I think it was, it seemed to me that the country had split wide open. And as a performer, the last thing in the world you want to do is divide the audience. We felt like, at least I feel strongly, that it's our job to bring the audience together, to unify the room. That's why we sing songs that people can sing with us. We really urge them to sing with us, to try to unify the room and bring everybody into the circle and not exclude anyone, and, and even you know conservatives. And so I remember saying things like, if you watch television, your IQ drops. I, w I said that to the <laughs> audience, and they laughed. You know, and I said, and especially if you watch Fox News, your IQ drops even farther. And then there was members of the audience who got up immediately and stalked out. <laughs> well, I think that's probably an indication that you sometimes have to pay for speaking the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, I struck a chord, you know. The, yeah. And I didn't want to divide the room, but I just, sometimes you think you're preaching to the choir and you're not. You know, there's a few other people out there that will take an exception to what you say. But as a performer, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I would generally not do it. I would sing songs that were radical and make jokes and things on stage that were not. Well, why don't we just try and divide the audience that's listening to this and the <laughs> 28 stations or so across the country that carry these programs. How do you want to start out? What do you want to do to offend our audience? Well, let's play Welcome Back. I wrote that song kind of as a love letter to people who had been coming to hear Mustard's Retreat for a long time. David and I have been playing together since 1974. And, you know, we've actually, in the old days when we were playing those bars I was talking about, we would be playing on stage and watching people at, when they did the last call and everybody looks around and they begin to pair off and find each other for the night. You know, we were watching while all that used to happen <laughs> back in the wild 70s. <laughs> and then sometimes those people come back and they're still together and maybe they got some children, you know. And we, we look at them and we say, I remember when you two were flirting, you know, I remember that. And now here you are, you were married and you got children. We had something to do with that, didn't we? So, I mean, there is a continuity thing that goes with being a performer in the same group for a long time. You know, you get people that remember you. And that's what the song is all about. It's Welcome Back by Mustard's Retreat and our guest, Michael Huff. Well met, I say, and welcome back. Your eyes are shining well, in fact Your lips could tell a story, too But, oh, your spirit's shining through Like always, like a beacon home I think it shines for me alone tonight Yes, it's good to see Your spirit's always good to me Remember in the early days The room was filled with smoky haze I sang my songs to backs of chairs And faces hard as concrete stairs And you, when your eyes turn to me Your choices are forever free And oh, the light when you chose me A campfire leaping under trees 
traffic outside swerved and blared The empty faces talked and stared I sang my songs and never cared As long as one would listen The conversations waned and wheezed Like buzzing of nine thousand bees Your spirit light would wink and tease And then your eyes would glisten Yes, I see you here again And yes, I do remember when you helped me When I sang my lines You even waited for the rhymes And I would send my spirits fire Crackling over miles of wires And you'd reflect it back again With yours multiplied by ten Well met, I say Welcome back Your eyes are shining well, in fact Your lips could tell a story, too And oh, your spirit's shining through Like always, like a beacon home I think it shines for me alone tonight Yes, it's good to see your spirit's always good to me for Song of the Soul today. We have Michael Huff. He's half of Mustard's Retreat, or approximately half. Uh, sometimes I think there's a third person in there. The main partner you deal with is David Tamulevich, and they're both part of an extended group of folks called the Yellow Room Gang, who've done, I think, four recordings together. But Mustard's Retreat has been going since 1974, and Welcome Back harkens back to those early years. You know, when I first heard that song, and it's from the recording The Wind and the Crickets, I was wondering if it wasn't about, how do I put this tactfully, people that you picked up over the years. I mean, I imagine that because you're a great star up on stage, there's at least one person who says, I would like to be your groupie. Now, that was the wild 70s, back when you were young and had hair and all that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Was that true? Yeah. Or am I just imagining? Oh, no. Just imagining. Uh, That's very true. And the word you, Y-O-U, in that song could be referred to as a singular or a plural. That's one of the beauties of the English language. And I'll have to confess to being a slut. You know, I'll have to confess that sometimes the same song can apply to different people. Oh, you, you, you man of easy virtue. <laughs> that was many, many years ago. I mean, we're, we're talking what between 30 and 40 years ago. Things have changed a little bit since then. Did you and David used to tour a lot? Was it all the local circuit around there in Michigan? Was in our it... early days, we did not do any touring. We were just playing bars. We learned the hard way. If you want to get a gig at one of the cool folk venues, you have to give up playing bars because we didn't realize, but it's, we kept trying to get a, a gig at the Ark, you know, who charges admission. And the Ark's point of view was, well, why should we give you guys a gig and ask your audience to pay to get in when you're going to be playing right down the street for free next weekend? 
and it was like, duh. So it's like we had to give up the taverns and the bars. But actually, what happened was that the world changed anyway. We were getting better. I mean, it's, it, when we were playing in those bars, what we were doing was perfecting our craft. And we were getting better and improving. And so when it was time for us to make the jump from playing local bars to playing a notch up the chain, you know, higher grade, better venues that charged admission to get in, we were ready. David and I have always felt like the world owed us nothing. And if we were going to get anywhere, we had to earn it. So we've never given that up, as a matter of fact. And that's why we're in the Yellow Room Gang for the same darn reason I was saying that. You know, everybody in there had that same idea that, oh, no, it's not like I can rest on my laurels. I, I may be a, a good songwriter, but I can always get better and tell me how, how I can improve this one. And so when we, when we made the jump, we were ready. But also one other thing happened. Haha, The world did change. Instead of people coming out to bars and places like that to hear music, the world's actually changed and people came out to hear comedy instead. So we, we looked around and at that point, too, we had also both gotten married. So we looked around and thought, well, let's aim ourselves at a venue where they don't forget about you quickly, which is the folk venue. Uh-huh. Were you raised in a musical family? Yes, I grew up in a family where music was, I mean, everybody played music together. I mean, my father played piano. My father was a mathematician and a statistician, and he grew up tone deaf in a family that didn't have any music. And then when he became a young man and got away from that family, he thought, I'm going to learn how to play music. And the mathematician in him was interested in, you know, intervals. And, I mean, there's a, there's a linkage between mathematics and music. And my father sought that out and, you know, intellectually sought music out rather than from the heart. He went, from the, he went by his head. But then he played boogie-woogie piano, <laughs> so, you know, the, the heart <laughs> came in after the head did. And me, I went the other way around. I came in from the heart and then brought my head along, bumping and scraping and complaining, but I brought my head along to work out things that the heart wasn't good at. So I like to function with both sides of my brain, and I think that's what a lot of performers and writers and people like me, I think that's one of the things that we do is we utilize both sides of the brain. So, yeah, I, I started writing songs when I was, like, eight years old. <laughs> really? Yeah. Eight years old? Yeah. Any of that you still perform? No. <laughs> no, I, just, I wrote, I wrote eight-year-old things. But, I mean, there are songs that I learned then that I still know. And if I was around a campfire and somebody gave me a beer or two, I could probably come up with them. You know, camp songs and that kind of stuff. And my father being a professor and a mathematician and a a man who lived through the Depression as a young guy and had a lot more drive than I ever do, he found something, you know, in the, in the 30s when people were thrown out of work, my dad found something he could do, which was to teach. He found that as a life preserver, probably. You know, he grabbed it because there wasn't a lot of other choices. And for a man like him, you know, this, he found something he could do and he was able to make a living as a teacher, uh, which wasn't a great living, but it was a living. And coming out of abject poverty, he was driven. And so he learned to play boogie-woogie piano. Well, often, <laughs> he learned that to win my mom's heart, you know. It's, uh, he learned that as an intellectual exercise, and it turned into something more than that. But he wasn't ever a performer. I mean, he was a performer as an academic. He was a teacher. And, you know, it's like he and I had a complicated relationship. He would demand my respect, and I would throw that in his face, you know. And I craved his approval, but I would never admit that. There was love there between us, but there was hard love. It was the kind of love that you don't talk about, you know, like men don't talk about that. And it wasn't until he died that I realized that there was a lot between us that had never gotten said. And that was part of my grieving process was to realize that he was gone. There was no way I could say it to him. You know, there was no way I could tell him. And that is what people go through sometimes when they're grieving. 
So the song, A Resolution of Something, is something that happened in a dream. It's like he came along in a dream. I was sleeping. And he came along in a dream, and we walked around together in dream country. It was an important dream because we said things to each other that really needed to be said. And at the end of the dream, when he told me to wake up, <laughs> he drew a picture for me. Or he made a picture for me. I don't know how that worked. He drew a picture in my mind or whatever it was. And the first thing I did when I woke up was I drew that picture. I just grabbed a piece of notebook paper or whatever it was and a ballpoint pen, and I just drew that picture as quickly as I could because I knew the way dreams are. I knew that if, if I didn't do that, you know, something would distract me and I'd forget it. And that's, what, of course, what happened. I, I drew the picture, and then something distracted me, and I forgot all about it. It was a, some days later, I was looking for something else. You know, I was, I'd forgotten completely about that whole thing, and I was looking for something else, and I pulled that piece of paper out of my stack of things to do. I pulled that out, and I got the whole dream back just looking at that drawing. And that's when I wrote the poem. So you can play it now, and I'll talk a little bit more about it after you play the song. Michael Huff wrote the song. He's our guest for Song of the Soul. It's called A Resolution of Something. My father's ghost came to me in my sleep. He took me on a spirit walk. He said, before I died, I, I never got too deep. Never got too deep with you. Too busy being me. But dead. Old needs and plans have, have sifted from my head. I've been listening to your songs He said I knew my children walk on paths I'll never tread But I have learned How much I'm part of you So here's a picture for you that I drew. I want you to remember, remember when you wake. Each line and stroke is a gift out of the blue. The love that's mine to give yours to take. He said, I like the music that you play. So wake up and write this down. It's day. got grabbed in that song, Michael, was when your father says, I like the music that you play. 
it's just that approval, that validation you want from yeah. your parents, from those who are important in raising you. Clearly, something snapped into place. I'm thinking that when a resolution of something came to you, that that actually was a resolution of something inside your heart, your chest. Did your life change dramatically? I mean, a seismic change? Yes, I would say so. I mean, it was a turning point in the grieving process. And, you know, grief never lets you go. It's like I still sometimes I'm, I'm right at the point of tears right now, as a matter of fact. Grief just is like that. It just com- it can blindside you. We, we drive down the road, and suddenly tears are rolling down your face, you know, and if you have any brains, you pull off and get yourself together before you keep on going, especially if you're in traffic or something. Just get off the road and get yourself together. Let it run because, yes, that was a turning point in the grieving process because I don't really know if his ghost actually came back to me. You know, I mean, there's no proof for that. It's just one of those things that we can talk about. We can't ever, there's no proof. There's no evidence. You know, I know enough about the scientific method to know that, you know, a scientist would say, well, we can't measure that, so we really can't talk about it because that's science. You know, if if a scientist can't measure something in a repeated way, then they can't talk about it. But, of course, you know, the rest of us can. So, you know, I don't care, actually, if, if his ghost came back to me or if it was something I made up in my own mind doesn't actually matter because I got what I needed and I was able to give him what he needed and I'll tell you one more thing about that song the first time I ever performed that was uh, at a show that was it was an outdoor concert and it was right before Father's Day and I just thought oh okay I'll just do this you know and so David plays a dulcimer part in that song and I just you know I, I sort of play a guitar part and recite the poem and after the show you know it's like this has happened repeatedly that song of all the, I've written a lot of sonnets which is what that is and none of them has gotten the response that that one has because almost every time we do it somebody'll come up after the show and they'll say to me something like well you know I usually don't believe in stuff like that but this is what happened to me and then they'll tell me something you know something some similar thing that happened to them with something spiritual something soulful and they'll tell me something or the better ones after the show sometimes they'll come up and they'll say you know, I listened to that song that you did about your dad, and my father's still alive. I'm going to go talk to him. Yeah. Sometimes that happens, and it's like, that to me is very important. When that happens, then the song has really made a difference. So that's just, you know, it's just grief working itself out in some ways. Well, thanks for sharing that, Michael. And I think it's time, Michael, for some more music. What do we want to share next? Well, let's play some love songs, but I would suggest that you play the next three all in a row. Contact is a song of passion. Shadows on the Shore is a song of kind of mystical romance, and a reminder is, well, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's a much more mature point of view. So that's why that's why they, it makes sense to do all three in a row like that. Okay, we're going to do this. Now, you'll find these not all on Mustard Retreats. Uh, Contact is on a recording by the Yellow Room Gang. And a reminder and shadows on the shore are both on a good place to be by Mustard's Retreat. Those links are on NordenSpiritRadio.org. Let's listen to the songs and we'll say a bit more right away. Start off with contact. Listen now, I just can't rest without a little more contact. The feeling of your hair in my hands, the scent of the back of your neck I find myself too serious now, then smiling with no reason And getting all misty without warning 
I'm in contact close enough to feel your breath go out and in. Eyes to smile and lips to find, and gentle hands to make an end. Close enough to hear your heartbeat radiating through my skin. Can you feel it? Will you come make contact here again? Can you feel it? Would you tell me? Words can be of silk and steel. Let the music be the bridge between the dreaming and the real. So walk with me down a silver path of moonlight and mist. Magic and desire, warm blankets, hard muscles, cool glances turning into smoke, bare skin turning under a kiss, hands warm in the grip of now. Clean the tub and make your dinner. Feed the cats and wash your clothes. Make a fire from these ashes. Feel the heat and let it go. Put a clean case on the pillow. Feel the bedside with your knee. Let the music lie beside you. Close your eyes so you can see. Can you feel it? Would you tell me? Words can be of silk and steel. Let the music be the bridge between the dreaming and the real. Listen now, I just can't rest without a little more contact. The feeling of your hair in my hands, the scent of the back of your neck. I find myself too serious now, then smiling with no reason and getting all misty without warning. It's quiet, shadows creep. I hover on the edge of sleep, between the cliff's foot and the deep. A candle and a pen. Night birds whistle. Dreams can walk in lucid sleep or tangled thought. I steer my boat just off the rocks, a paddle and a wind. Between the landslide and the wave, it's love we make that keeps me brave. And being loved that makes the day come find me like a friend. It's love we make by candlelight, our shadows on the shore tonight. Dance till the dawn comes pink and white, and we begin again. Western ocean sings to me. Sunset on a misty sea. Wheeling seabirds, rocks and spray in the last light of the day. My silky lover dives for me. I stand here rooted like a tree, 
Her haunting voice can cut me free And the tide pulls me away A sealskin left within my reach A fisherman who frees his catch The ships of fools tossed on the beach By the power of these waves It's love we make by candlelight Our shadows on the shore tonight Dance till the dawn comes pink and white And we begin again It's love we make by candlelight Our shadows on the shore tonight Dance till the dawn comes pink and white And we begin again
heard three songs written by Michael Huff. They're performed by a combination of Mustard's Retreat and the Yellow Room Gang. The first one was by Yellow Room Gang, Contact. Then we went to Shadows on the Shore, and the one you just heard is a reminder. That's from recording by Mustard's Retreat called A Good Place to Be. And we're going to talk about all of those songs in a little bit more detail right now. But first, I want to remind you that you are listening to Song of the Soul. My guest today is Michael Huff, member of Mustard's Retreat since early 70s. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production. That means on the web you find us at northernspiritradio.org. That's O-R-G, like organic. And on that site you'll find almost 12 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find all kinds of links to our guests. So when you want to track down Mustard's Retreat and you don't know what kind of punctuation might be in there, you just come via northernspiritradio.org. Also on that site, there's a place to post comments, and we do love two-way communication. You can make it two-way by posting your comment and getting hold of us and letting us know about people in your area. Michael Huff happens to be from Ann Arbor region of Michigan, and there's folks listening to this program in California and Massachusetts and Oklahoma and Arizona and New Mexico. All over the place, people are listening to this. I'd like to hear about your local music, so contact me. You'll find that contact on Norton's spiritradio.org. There's also a donate button. This is full-time work, and the only way it's supported is by your donations. It's not by government, and it's not by corporations. It's because you believe in making these programs continue. I also want to recommend to you really strongly that you support your local community radio station. They provide a slice of music and news you get nowhere else, and I'm sure, Michael, you've experienced this over the years. There's national venues of music and such, and you might be lucky to get on those once in a lifetime, but I'm pretty sure the bread and butter for someone who's a folk musician like yourself and David of Mustard's Retreat, that local community radio stations are a portal into the world. Does Is that your experience? Yes, and I'll echo everything that you said, and I would like to also say thank you sincerely to any and all of our listeners from different places. I'm glad you said all that about people listening from all over the place. It's so important. Sometimes you feel like the world is crazy and you can't make a difference, but you can, you know. It's like what you do if you make a donation to a public radio station, that makes a huge difference. Just like if you come out to a show supporting a local concert venue, I mean, you look around and you say, well, there's 55 people here or maybe there's 155 people here, but that means that every single person is crucial. So, yes, um, the things that people do when they support public radio and shows like yours and local musicians makes a gigantic difference, and I'm very appreciative, and so is every other musician that I know. We really, really thank you and appreciate it. So we just played three of your songs in a row, Contact and Shadows on the Shore and Reminder, and you said all romantic of some of them. Contact, by the way, strikes me as, even though I imagine you wrote that in the 70s or 80s, there's a fast-talking guy, <laughs> you, I guess, <laughs> in there who's kind of talking like, hey, let's let's get together, baby, is kind of the feel I have for it. And But it's also expressing a heart's desire. I want to have connection here. But there's a part of me that harkens back to a song that probably almost none of our listeners remember called The Rapper by The Jaggers. Oh, yeah. Was, you know, rap, rap, rap. <laughs> he, 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 they call him The I Rapper. You know that. what he's after. Was that you? Did we know what you you were after? Well, the song actually was written about 2003, so it's a, it was written a lot later than uh, what you think. And, you know, it's a song of passion. I had broken up 
with uh, a woman that I had been with for 20 years and was deep down in depression and then was rescued from that by a wonderful woman who just inspired that poem, you know, and, and it was a poem. It was not a song. It was a poem. And you go from that to Shadows on the Shore, which is also mostly spoken. Yeah, I mean, it is more of a recitation. Well, I don't know. It goes back and forth. And, you know, it's like music changed. In my lifetime, music changed. And I'm just walking along with it. I'm not responding to trends. I'm just, like, responding to how music changes, I guess. But Shadows is one of the things I'm proudest of. I I really like that song. I like singing it, and I like all the people's parts that contributed. I'm so grateful for all the great musicians that have put parts on my songs. It just thrills me to listen to them sometimes. So the Shadows is kind of a mystical, romantic thing, but people in the audience understand that when I sing that. It connects. It really does, and so does Contact. They connect me with the audience, men and women which I think is very interesting, you know, that when you're a performer, you know, if you're a man, you, you know that you can appeal to women because you can see it in their eyes. But if you appeal to men, too, you're doing your job right. And the reminder, I'll talk about that a little bit, that is actually a poem that was written by my girlfriend, <laughs> my girlfriend Cindy, who I call Cindy Love. She wrote that when we were getting back together because we had a thing, you know, 40 years ago, <laughs> 35 years ago, we had a thing. And then we both went separate ways, married other people, and had a life, you know. <laughs> I was married for 20 years, she was married for 25 years, but by 2009, I think, I was available again. <laughs> and I went, I went and put her name out on Facebook, and there she was. So we, we had started this courtship online. We courted each other for about a year and a half because we were much more cautious in our uh, mature time than we were when we were young and hot. So we took some some time, you know. We took a year and a half, you know, spiraling around, getting closer and closer. We had to try to figure out whether one of us had become a jerk, you know, in all that time, and it turned out that neither one of us had. So I sent her some recordings so she could see what I'd been up to, you know, and and she sent me pictures of her beautiful daughter just so I could see what she'd been up to. and, And she went driving around listening to the recordings and wrote the words to the reminder and sent that to me as a poem. And I looked at that and I thought, well... It needs a chorus. So I wrote the chorus and put it to music, and I've been singing that ever since. I was wondering where the chorus, because I sensed in the chorus, you know, you talk about swearing by fire and granite. I think that echoes back to contact, which says words can be made of silk and steel. Silk and steel and fire and granite. There's a reverberation of Michael Huff there. Yes, well, I respond well to all of the music that I've heard by you and David Tamulovich. Together, folks, they are Mustard's Retreat. And we've got time. We want to squeeze in a couple more songs. So what should we go to next, Michael? Uh, if we've got time for both of them, let's do Moody Monday. I wrote that song in 1968, and I'm still singing it. You asked me if there were songs I wrote when I was a boy that I still sing, and there really are not. But this one I wrote when I was a young man. I was about 20 years old, and I was eligible for the draft. It was 1968. My brother had been drafted. He was probably in his training period, or else he was in Vietnam. And my brother is not a warrior. He has thick glasses. I mean, they they only drafted him because it was 1968 or 69, and he was older. He'd been he'd had a student deferment for too long, and they looked at him and go, "Well, he's going to get away." So they said, "No." sign him up. So he was drafted at the age of 25. And all the guys in his basic training unit called him Pop. <laughs> and, uh, and so, because they were all 18, you know, and he was 25. So 
So anyway, I wrote that song because I was eligible for the draft and my girlfriend had left me and I was my brother was in Vietnam and I had all these thoughts going and I was actually depressed and didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I didn't know if I was going to join up or I was going to go to Canada and escape or I was going to kill myself or what. You know, I, I was at a real threshold or a real, what do they call that, a node in your life, you know, a, a, a crossroads, a turning point or something. And so the song itself, I guess, is about self-salvation. And it's called Moody Monday, performed by Mustard's Retreat. On a moody Monday morning Found myself beside the river Cast a coin into the water Wondering what fate might deliver out beyond the harbor markers Thought I heard a woman singing Could not see the lighthouse flashing Could not hear the fog bell ringing All my troubles gone for nothing All my travels gone behind All my weeping gone to make the brand new day All my planning, never mind I stepped into the oily water Thick fog showed no signs of lifting Letting the dark currents take me With the ebbing tide was drifting Fog closed gently in around me All alone out in the water Deep below me I was certain Sang the harbor master's daughter All my troubles gone for nothing All my travels gone behind all my weeping gone to make the brand new day All my planning, never faintly singing deep below me in the water put my head beneath to see her and touch the harbor master's daughter 
While the harbor master is sleeping, daughter saves the unbeliever. And on a moody Monday morning, I found myself beside the river. All my troubles gone for nothing. All my troubles gone behind. All my weeping gone to make the brand new day. All my planning, never mind. Not sure all of you have had exactly those same feelings on a moody Monday, but that's what Michael Huff did back in 1968. And folks, that was performed by Mustard's Retreat, their website, mustardretreat.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. If you have any question, that's from their back-to-back recording. Again, Michael Huff sharing part of the torment of his youth. And it's kind of interesting. This is towards the end of the interview as we're talking about all these songs. But I guess some things reverberate still over the decades. Yes, I still sing that song. When David and I got together, what he tells the audience, sometimes he'll just grab the microphone and introduce that song and say, you know, Michael and I got together and uh, we were working in this restaurant and we discovered that we both played guitars and we thought, well, let's get out of the restaurant business. Let's, let's go out on the road and become famous and rich musicians, right? So, <laughs> How'd that well, work out we for are. you? We're still playing. We're still together. We're still playing. We're not rich and we're not famous, but uh, we've had a, a good ride and a good run. And one of the first songs that I ever played for David was that song. And he said he was amazed by that song for some reason and decided he was going to be my partner in, in music. And, and I, he did some songs of his that amazed me. When we first got to, I mean, something happened. When David and I got together, something happened. I mean, and it's like it's still going 40 years later, 43 years later. I do have a sense in several of your songs that you've shared so far, and there's one that we sing at our local song circle occasionally, Malin's Bridge. There's a mystical edge to it. There's a, something about the unknown. And I did want to ask you quickly about your, I don't know, religious, spiritual outlook. Can you say just a few words about what that ride has been like? Well, I was raised as a Presbyterian. The pastor of the church when I was a young man, I still regard him as a great man. You know, I, I listen to what passes for Christianity now, and I compare that to what my old pastor used to say, and it doesn't sound like the same religion. So I have I have a lot of scorn for, you know, mega churches and the commercial aspects of what I see and hear now. But that's fine. I'm not going to insult anybody's religion. I just, I've turned away from what I feel like is Christianity going down the wrong path. And I, I regard myself, and I call myself a pagan now. And what that means is that to me, what is sacred, what is actually sacred is the air we breathe and the water we drink and the fire that keeps our children warm and the earth we walk upon. Those things are actually sacred. And it's our job to take care of them and treat them right. And if we don't have them, we'll die. So that's where I am now. I get along really well with Christians. I disrespect the leadership but not, you know, the flock. If somebody holds their faith sincerely, I deeply respect that. But I wouldn't call myself a Christian now. 
I would call myself a pagan, which goes back to my heritage, actually, really. I mean, for me, Christianity was forced on my ancestors by men with swords. <laughs> so that's the way I look at it. <laughs> so you're just looking to make Northern Europe great again by Well, give me that old-time religion. Uh, yeah. you know, that's, what I, that's what I go along. I wear a Thor hammer sometimes. <laughs> well, we do have the time for a final song. So what are you going to do to top off all this other great music you've been sharing, Michael? Well... When the moon howls and the wolves are still, is in some ways it fits in with what we were just talking about because to me it's a way of trying to make contact with the magic that's in the world because I feel like the world has gotten so mundane and so commercial that it's lost its magic or at least it has trampled on the magic. And, you know, I, I was raised, I studied science, I studied chemistry and physics and mathematics and I understand the scientific method. But I also understand that if a scientist can't measure something, they can't talk about it. But I can, because there's more to the world than what we can detect with scientific method. And I think an honest scientist would admit that. But beyond that, there are things we can talk about, which is, you know, that the world is a magical place. And it needs to be. And that's what the song is all about. It's called When the Moon Howls and the Wolves Are Still. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this interview. And thank you, Mark, for having me on. Thank you so much, Michael. And folks, we'll take you out for today's Song of the Soul interview with Michael Huff of Mustard's Retreat, their website, mustardsretreat.com, with their song, When the Moon Howls and Will Are Still. Thanks to Andrew Jansen and Catherine Thomas for production help with today's program. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Here is When the Moon Howls and the Wolves Are Still. There's a knife in the wind tonight and my heart is clean I awaken at the urging of a long slow dream And I rise from a bed of ages in the hollow hills In the time when the moon howls and the wolves are still Though the stars are sharp and the clouds fly across the moon my heart knows where to find you, but it must be soon. So I listen for the owl and the whippoorwill. In the time when the moon howls and the wolves are still, and there's a bale fire leaping high on a peak of stone. There's a rushing stream by the path now overgrown, and the voice on the wind calls out with a sudden chill. Together to reclaim what was overthrown We've abided in the shadows Under living stone and moss We leap to rekindle The magic that was
time when the moon howls and the wolves are still. So we ride through the voids and the fire and the lantern light. And we meet on the moor in the dark in the deeps of night. We clasp our hands together by the turning mill. In the time when the moon howls and the wolves are still. Can you hear her? Tides of blood and bone Calling us together To reclaim what was overthrown We've abided in the shadows Under living stone and moss We leave to rekindle The joy that the world has The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul